Namaste and blessings. Welcome to Meditative Living with Swami Shivananda Giri, sitting comfortably at the feet of His Holiness Mahamandeleshwar Paramahamsa Swarupananda Vishwaguru Maharaj of Los Angeles, California. Welcome to our exploration of Gyaneshvar's Gita. This is, of course, the classic Bhagavad Gita with commentary done by a young yogi named Gyaneshvar. Now, today, we're going to make every effort possible to finish Chapter 2. It's been a while since we've done this, so we're going to try to wrap up Chapter 2 and uh, start Chapter 3 next show. Chapter 1, of course, was the Depression of Arjuna. Chapter 2, which we are in now, the Yoga of Knowledge. Chapter 3 is the Yoga of Action. Chapter 4, the Yoga of Wisdom. Chapter 5, the Yoga of Renunciation of Action. Chapter 6, the Yoga of Meditation. Chapter 7, the Yoga of Wisdom and Realization. Chapter 8, the Yoga of the Imperishable Absolute. Chapter 9, The Yoga of Sovereign Knowledge. Chapter 10, The Yoga of Manifestation. Chapter 11, The Vision of the Cosmic Form. Chapter 12, The Yoga of Devotion. Chapter 13, The Yoga of the Distinction Between the Field and the Knower of the Field. Chapter 14, The Yoga of the Differentiation of the Three Qualities. Chapter 15, The Yoga of the Supreme Being. 16, The Yoga of the Distinction Between the Divine and the demoniacal. 17, the yoga of the threefold division of faith. And wrapping up chapter 18, the yoga of liberation by renunciation. So that's what we've got to go yet. Let us rejoin 
with the thanks to Sonic over there in Brighton, England, pushing all the buttons, making all the sounds and music play and doing his best to keep this Swami on track. All right, let us begin with verse 159 in chapter 2, where Krishna says to Arjuna, what is born dies, and what dies is born again. Like the wheels of a water clock, this cycle continues. Just as sunrise and sunset follow each other, in this world, birth and death are certain. At the time of the great dissolution, even the three worlds perish, so birth and death are inevitable. If you believe this, then why do you grieve, O Arjuna? Knowing this, why should you profess ignorance? Twenty-eight. Beings are, are excuse me. Krishna says, beings are such that their beginnings are unmanifest, their middles are manifest and their ends are unmanifest again. What complaint can there be over this? Janeshwar's commentary. Moreover, O Arjuna, there is absolutely no reason for grief. All these beings are formless before birth. When born, they take on individual form. After the dissolution of their bodies, they do not exist separately, but revert to their original state. The life in between is like a dream to a sleeping person. Likewise, the appearance of form in the self is due to the power of cosmic illusion. When water is agitated by the wind, it appears in the form of ripples. Gold is fashioned into the shape of ornaments according to a person's desire. Similarly, all that has form is the result of illusion, like the clouds which appear in the sky. You should realize this. Why then do you grieve for something that is not subject to birth? Consider instead the self, which never fades away. 29. Krishna said, Someone perceives this as a wonder. Another declares this as a wonder. Still, another hears of this as a wonder, but even having heard of this, no one knows it. Gyanishvar's Commentary When the saints experience longing for the self, they renounce all desire, become dispassionate, and retire into the wilderness. When the great sages saw it, they observed vows of celibacy and practiced austerities. While some singing its praises with detached minds become wholly absorbed in it, others with a steadfast heart at the sight of it forget all worldly activities. Some hearing of it lose all consciousness of their bodies. Others attain union with it through direct experience. Just as the currents of all rivers reach the ocean and never flow back again, in the same way, the minds of the masters of yoga, once turned towards the self, become merged in it. Through the power of thought, 
they do not experience rebirth. Verse 30, Krishna said, This, the embodied self, is eternally indestructible in the body of all. Arjuna, therefore, you should not mourn for any being. Yanishvar's commentary. Listen! That which is everywhere and in everyone is the one life infusing the whole universe. Though it may be threatened, it cannot be killed. Because of the nature of this, everything is born and dies. Then what can cause you to grieve? O oh, Arjuna, I cannot understand why you cannot accept this. Moreover, grief does not suit you. Verse 31. Krishna said, And perceiving your own caste duty, you should not tremble. Indeed, anything superior to righteous battle does not exist for the kshatriya, which is a man of the warrior caste. Our, excuse me, Gyanishvara's commentary. Krishna says, Why don't you consider this? What are you thinking? You have forgotten your duty, which is your path to salvation. If any calamity were to befall the Karavas, if any mishap were to overtake you, or if the great age were to come to an end now, even then you must never abandon your own sacred duty. Can you save yourself by compassion? O oh, Arjuna, your heart has melted with pity. But this is out of place on the battlefield. Cow's milk must not be given to a person who has a fever or it will act as a poison. In the same way, if action is not suitable to the occasion, it is harmful to a person's welfare. So arouse yourself. Why do you grieve without reason? Attend to your duty. If you follow it, no evil will ever befall you. If a person stays on the road, he remains safe. If he carries a lamp, he doesn't stumble. So, O Arjuna, when a person observes his duty, all his desires are easily fulfilled. You should know then that nothing is more worthy of a warrior than fighting. Free your mind of deception and fight blow for blow. Why should I speak to you about what is obvious? Verse 32, Krishna says, And if by good fortune they gain the open gate of heaven, Happy are the kshatriyas, Arjuna, when they encounter such a fight. Yanishvar's commentary. O Arjuna, consider this war. It is truly fortunate for you. Perhaps it reveals the calling of your entire life. Should it be called a battle, or has heaven become manifest in this form revealed by your valor? Or has fame herself, attracted by your qualities and filled with passion, come to choose you as her lord? A warrior who has acquired great merit and who has such an opportunity for battle is like a person who has found a wish-fulfilling gem in his path. You are confronted with this battle like a yawning man into whose mouth nectar unexpectedly drops. Verse 33. 
Krishna said. Now, if you will not undertake this righteous war thereupon, having avoided your own duty and glory, you shall incur evil. Janeshwar's commentary. If you avoid this war and grieve unnecessarily, you will only harm yourself. If you throw away your weapon in this battle today, you will certainly lose all that your forefathers have gained. Then your present fame will be lost. The world will curse you and great sins will find you. Just as a woman without a husband is scorned everywhere, so is the state of a person who has abandoned his duty. Just as a corpse thrown out on wasteland is attacked on all sides by vultures, a person who fails to perform his duty will be surrounded by great sin. Therefore, if you abandon your duty, you will incur guilt and you will be dishonored until the end of the age. Verse 34. Krishna said, And also, people will relate your undying infamy. And for one who has been honored, disgrace is worse than dying. Janeshwar's commentary. A wise man should wish to live as long as he is not stained by dishonor. How then can you escape from here? Being free from malice and full of compassion, you may perhaps turn back, but others will not approve of your action. They will attack you on every side and will shoot arrows at you. You will not escape because of your compassion. Even if you are able to escape such dangers to your life, existence will be worse than death for you. Verse 35, Krishna said, The great warriors will think that you have abstained from the battle through fear, and among those by whom you have been held in high esteem, you shall come to be held lightly. Janeshvara's commentary. There is one other matter which you have not considered. You have come here eager to fight, and if through compassion you should return, tell me, is it likely that your enemies will understand this? They will say, Arjuna has gone! He is afraid of us! Would such slander please you? Men make great efforts and even sacrifice their lives, O Arjuna, and they increased their good name. Your fame has been easily won. It is unbroken and as incomparable as the heavens. Your fame is without limit or equal, and your merit is the finest in all three worlds. The princes of all countries are the poets who chant your praises. At this, even the heart of the god of death trembles with fear. Your renown, which is as clear as the waters of the Ganges, is so great that the sight of it has astonished the foremost warriors of the earth. Hearing of your marvelous valor, they have come here in despair of their lives. Just as the roar of a lion seems as terrible as death to a raging elephant, so are you a terror to the Karavas. Just as mountains fear the thunderbolt and serpents dread the eagle, so do all of these regard you, O Arjuna. If you should now turn back without fighting, you will lose all your greatness and will become 
worthless. Verse 36, Arjuna said, excuse me, Krishna said, and your enemies will speak many words of you that should not be spoken, deriding your capacity. What greater hardship is there than that? Yet as far as commentary. Your enemies will prevent you from fleeing. They will surround and hold you, despising you. They will utter abuse for you yourself to hear. Then your heart will break. Why shouldn't you fight bravely now? If you conquer your opponents, you will enjoy the whole earth. Verse 37, Krishna said, Either having been slain, you shall attain heaven, or having conquered, you shall enjoy the earth. Therefore, stand up, Arjuna, resolve to fight. Gyanishvara's commentary. If you fight in the battle and lose your life, you will enjoy heavenly bliss. Therefore, O Arjuna, pay no attention to these thoughts. Stand up, seize your bow, and be ready to fight. Look, by fulfilling your duty, you destroy sin. What is this confusion in your mind about sin? Does a person drown in a boat or stumble on the highway? Calamity may befall one who doesn't know how to walk. A person can even die from drinking nectar if he takes poison with it. Similarly, sin can arise from performing one's duty with the wrong motive. Therefore, O Arjuna, there is no sin against your duty as a warrior in fighting without a selfish motive. Verse 38. Krishna said, Holding pleasure and pain to be alike, likewise gain and loss, victory and defeat, then engage in battle. Thus, you shall not incur evil. Gyanishvar's commentary. Do not delight in happiness. Do not be downcast in pain and do not be concerned with gain or loss. You should not consider thoughts of the future, such as whether you will win a victory or lose your life. A person should perform his own proper duty, and whatever may come, he should endure it with a steady mind. When the mind is in this state, naturally no sin is incurred, Therefore, fight with confidence. Verse 39, Krishna said, This insight is wisdom, as declared in the theory of Sankhya. Now hear it as applied in arduous practice. Yoked with this determination, Arjuna, you shall rid yourself of the bondage of karma. Gyanishvara's commentary. This path of wisdom has been briefly explained to you. Now listen to the explanation of the path of union through reason. O Arjuna, a person who is utterly detached while performing actions cannot be troubled by the bonds of action. Verse 40, Krishna said, Here in the yoga doctrine of practice, no effort is lost, nor is any loss of progress found. Even a little of this discipline protects one from great danger. Gyanishvara's commentary. Similarly, 
when a person is wearing impenetrable armor, he can endure the attack of any weapon and remain unharmed and victorious. He doesn't lose his life in this world and still attains liberation when he faithfully follows this path. Continue all prescribed actions, but don't desire their fruit. Just as an exorcist cannot be harmed by an evil spirit, similarly, when a person has attained full enlightenment, the limitation of matter cannot bind him. That wisdom which is subtle and steady, in which sin has no place, and which contact with the three qualities cannot contaminate. O Arjuna, if your heart through merit should be illumined even a little by such wisdom, then every fear of life in this world would be removed. Verse 41. Krishna said, Here there is a single resolute understanding, Arjuna. The thoughts of the irresolute have many branches and are indeed endless. Janeshwar's commentary. Just as the flame of a lamp, however small, sheds great light, so this wisdom should not be despised. O Arjuna, the true desire for this wisdom is rare in this world, but many learned men seek it. Just as the touchstone is rarely found in comparison with other objects, and just as it is only through good fortune that one finds even a drop of nectar. Similarly, it is difficult to attain wisdom. Just as the ocean is forever the goal of the Ganges, the goal of this wisdom is the highest self. Look, O Arjuna, there is only one wisdom in the world, and it dwells only in the Supreme. All other forms of enlightenment are evil. They are for the most part full of passion, and only the thoughtless indulge in them. They experience existence, heaven and hell, O Arjuna. They never find the bliss of self-realization. Verse 42, Krishna said, The ignorant ones proclaim this flowery discourse. Arjuna, delighting in the letter of the Veda and saying, There is nothing else. Yanishvar's commentary. They speak with the authority of the Vedas, teaching only action and with desire for the fruit of action. They say, we must be born in this world and perform sacrificial rites in order to enjoy heavenly pleasures. O Arjuna, such people of faulty logic say, beyond desire there is no happiness in the universe. Verse 43, Krishna said, Full of desires, intent on heaven, they offer rebirth as the fruit of action and are addicted to many specific rites aimed at the goal of enjoyment and power. Verse 44. Krishna said, To those, the ignorant ones, attached to enjoyment and power, whose thought is stolen away by this kind of talk, resolute insight in meditation is not granted. Gyaneshwar's commentary. Such people, overcome by desire, perform action with their hearts set only on the enjoyment of pleasure. They perform many ceremonies, omitting no rites, 
and carry out their religious duties with great care. They are at fault in one thing only. They set their hearts on the desire for heaven and so lose sight of the Lord of sacrifices, the one enjoyer. It is as though camphor were heaped up and set on fire, or rich dishes were mixed with poison, or as though a vessel full of nectar found by good luck were kicked over. In the same way, these people destroy any merit they may gain by their desire for the fruit of action. People should strive for merit with great effort. Why should they long for earthly existence? But if they lack wisdom and do not know this, what can help them? Just as a cook might prepare choice dishes and then sell them for money, similarly, the unenlightened throw away merit for the sake of enjoyment. Understand, O Arjuna, that evil tendencies fill the minds of those who indulge in controversies about the Vedas. Verse 45. Krishna said, The Vedas are such that their scope is confined to the three qualities. Be free from those three qualities, Arjuna, indifferent toward the pairs of opposites, eternally fixed in truth, free from thoughts of acquisition and comfort, and possessed of the self. Gyanishvara's commentary. Know for certain that the Vedas are pervaded by the three qualities. The Upanishads are pure. Everything else which describes the performance of action and which teaches that heaven is the only goal is enveloped in passion and ignorance. Understand that this leads only to pleasure and pain. Do not set your heart on it. Respect all thought of the three qualities. Do not speak in terms of me and mine and only hold only the bliss of the self in your heart. Verse 46, Krishna said, As much value as there is in a well when water is flooding on every side, so much is the value in all the Vedas for a Brahman who knows. Yadishwar's commentary. Though much is said in the Vedas and various distinctions are suggested, still we should only accept what is for our good. When the sun has risen, all paths become visible. Yet, tell me, is it possible to travel by all of them? Even if the earth's surface is flooded with water, we drink only enough to quench our thirst. Similarly, the wise examine the meaning of the Vedas and accept only what has to do with the eternal. Verse 47, your right is to action alone, never to its fruits at any time. Never should the fruits of action be your motive. Never let there be attachment to inaction in you. Gyanishvara's commentary. Listen, O Arjuna. When you understand things in this way, it is best for you to perform your own duty. When we have taken all things into consideration, we realize that we should never neglect our appointed duty. 
but do not desire the fruit of action and avoid action which is prohibited. Perform right action with no thought about the result. Verse 48, Krishna said, Fixed in yoga, perform actions, having abandoned attachment, Arjuna, and having become indifferent to success or failure. It is said that evenness of mind is yoga. Ganeshvar's commentary. Perform all your actions with an attentive mind, O Arjuna, steadfast in yoga and renouncing attachment to the fruit of action. Do not rejoice unduly if by good fortune you successfully accomplish something, and if for any reason you are prevented from completing an action, you should not be disappointed. If it meets with success, well and good. If it cannot be completed, even so, regard it as good. If you offer to God every action that you undertake, know that it will surely be accomplished. Such even-mindedness in action, whether right or wrong, is the state of yoga, which is highly esteemed by the best of people. Verse 49, Krishna said, Action is inferior by far to the yoga of wisdom. Arjuna, seek refuge in wisdom. Despicable are those whose motives are based on the fruit of action. Verse 50. He whose wisdom is established casts off here in the world both good and evil actions. Therefore, Devote yourself to yoga. Yoga is skill in action. Ganeshwar's commentary. O Arjuna, an evenly balanced mind is the essence of yoga, in which the mind and pure intelligence are united. When we consider this yoga of pure intelligence, the yoga of action with attachment seems to be inferior, O Arjuna. But this yoga of pure intelligence can be attained only when the yoga of action is practiced, for action that is performed after the desire for its fruit is renounced naturally leads to evenness of mind. Therefore, the yoga of pure intelligence is steady. Concentrate on it and relinquish any desire for the fruit of action. Those who have practiced this yoga have reached the other shore and have freed themselves from the bondage of sin and merit and karma. Verse 51 Krishna said, those who are established in wisdom, the wise ones, who have abandoned the fruit born of action and are freed from the bondage of rebirth, go to the place that is free from pain. Ganeshwar's commentary. They perform action, but they are not bound by it. In this way, O Arjuna, they are freed from the cycle of birth and death. Then those who are united with pure consciousness reach the unshakable state of perfection. Verse 52. Krishna said, When your intellect crosses beyond the thicket of delusion, then you shall become disgusted with that which is yet to be heard and with that which has been heard in the Vedas. Ganeshvar's commentary. When you have thrown off this delusion, you will become like them 
and non-attachment will pervade your mind. Having acquired a profound and perfect knowledge of the self, your mind will easily become detached. Then, O Arjuna, all need to know anything else or to recall any past knowledge will disappear. Verse 53, Krishna said, When your intellect stands fixed in deep meditation, unmoving, disregarding Vedic doctrine, then you shall attain self-realization. Janishvar's commentary. Your mind, which was previously distracted by the activities of the senses, will stand as it was before, firmly established in the self. When the mind has become steady in the joy of contemplation, then you will attain the state of complete union. Verse 54, Arjuna spoke. How does one describe him who is of steady wisdom, who is steadfast in deep meditation, Krishna? How does he who is steady in wisdom speak? How does he sit? How does he move? Yanishvar's commentary. Arjuna said, O oh Lord, please explain to me the meaning of all this. Krishna replied, O oh Arjuna, ask me with an open heart whatever you wish. Then Arjuna said to Lord Krishna, Tell me, who is a person with a stable mind and how he can be recognized? Who is called even-minded? What does he look like? O oh, Krishna, tell me all this. In what state does he live? What does he look like? O oh, Krishna, tell me all of this. The Blessed Lord spoke, verse 55. When he leaves behind all desires emerging from the mind, Arjuna, and is contented in the self, by the self, then he is said to be one whose wisdom is steady. Ganeshvar's commentary. Then what did Lord Krishna, the incarnation of the highest self, and the abode of the six qualities say? He said, Listen, O Arjuna. The strong desires of the heart are obstacles to the experience of the highest bliss. He whose heart is always satisfied in the self, who has renounced all desire, and whose mind rests in the joy of the self, know that such a person is even-minded. Verse 56, Krishna said, He whose mind is not agitated in misfortune, whose desire for pleasures has disappeared, whose passion, fear, and anger have departed, and whose meditation is steady, is said to be a sage. Ganeshvar's commentary. A person whose mind is not disturbed, though he may suffer pain, who is not troubled by the desire for pleasure, into whose mind desire and anger do not enter, and who knows no fear is perfect, O Arjuna. The sage who is beyond limitation and without earthly bondage or a sense of difference should be known as one of steady wisdom. Verse 57, Krishna said, He who is without attachment on all sides, encountering this or that, pleasant or unpleasant, neither rejoicing nor disliking, his wisdom stands firm. Ganeshwar's commentary. 
He is always the same everywhere. Just as when the moon sheds her light, she does not say, this is good or that is bad. Similarly, his even-mindedness is unbroken. He has compassion for all creatures, and his mind is never subject to change. A person who is not overjoyed when he receives something good and is not distressed when evil comes to him. Know that he is even-minded, free from joy and sorrow, and filled with the enlightenment of the self, O Arjuna. Verse 58. Krishna said, And when he withdraws completely the senses from the objects of the senses, as a tortoise, withdraws its limbs into its shell, his wisdom stands firm. Gyanishvar's commentary. Listen, Arjuna, there is one more thing I will tell you. There are some seekers who resolutely give up the pleasure of the senses, just as a tortoise may extend its limbs or withdraw them at will. Verse 59, Krishna said, Sense objects turn away from the abstinent man, but the taste for them remains. The taste also turns away from him who has seen the Supreme. Yanishvar's commentary. So is the understanding of the even-minded person whose senses are under his control and act according to his bidding. Those who subdue their hearing and their other senses, yet do not control the taste for them, are consequently bound by them in a thousand ways. If the upper leaves of a tree are plucked off, and yet the tree is watered at the roots, how can it be destroyed? Just as the tree branches out luxuriantly due to the power of the water, in the same way, attachment to sense objects is nourished in the mind through a taste for them. The other senses can be separated from their objects, but taste cannot easily be controlled, for no living thing can exist without it. However, O Arjuna, when a person experiences the state of union with the Supreme, he is easily able to control these desires. When a person realizes that he and the Supreme are one, the awareness of bodily feeling ceases, and the senses forget their object. Verse 60. The turbulent senses carry away forcibly the mind, Arjuna, even of the striving man of wisdom. Gyanishvara's commentary. Moreover, O Arjuna, even those who ceaselessly strive to curb their senses are not always successful. Those who dwell where yoga is practiced, who build walls of mental control around themselves, and who keep a firm grip on their minds, even they are tormented. So great is the power of the senses that even a knower of incantations may be deceived by an evil spirit. It is like this with sense objects which are disguised as psychic powers. In contact with the senses, they ensnare the mind. When this happens, the mind goes astray and the practice of control is crippled. Such is the strength of the senses. Verse 61, Krishna said, Restraining all these senses, 
disciplined. He should sit intent on me. He whose senses are controlled, his wisdom stands firm. Gyaneshvar's commentary. Listen, O Arjuna, whoever abandons attachment to all sense pleasures and destroys their power is known to be steadfast in yoga. His mind is not deluded by pleasure. He is always full of the knowledge of the self, and he never forgets me in his heart. On the other hand, earthly existence never comes to an end for a person who outwardly gives up sense objects, but dwells upon them in his heart. Just as when a person takes a drop of poison, its effect increases and inevitably destroys his life. Similarly, if even a doubt about sense objects remains in the mind, it may destroy all understanding. Verse 62. Krishna said, For a man dwelling on the objects of the senses, an attachment to them is born. From attachment, desire is born. From desire, anger is born. From anger arises delusion. From delusion, loss of the memory. From loss of the memory, destruction of discrimination. And from destruction of discrimination, one is lost. Janishvar's commentary. If a person dwells on sense objects in his mind, then detachment will arise within detachment. In attachment, there is the image of desire. When there is desire, anger has first been present. And in anger, there has been delusion. When delusion appears, memory will be lost, just as a flame is extinguished by a gust of wind. Then, blinded by ignorance, a person loses everything, and the pure reason in his mind becomes confused. Just as at sunset the night envelops the light of the sun, so is a person's condition when his memory fails. When a blind man has to run, he rushes pitifully here and there. In the same way, pure wisdom becomes bewildered, O Arjuna. When memory is confused, reason is entirely defeated and all knowledge is destroyed. Just as the body is reduced to a wretched condition when consciousness fails, so is the state of a person who loses his reason. Listen, O Arjuna, just as a spark set to fuel bursts into flame and could set fire to the three worlds, similarly, thinking about sense objects, even unwittingly, leads to great loss. Verse 64, Krishna said, With the elimination of desire and hatred, even though moving among the objects of the senses, he who is controlled by the self, by self-restraint, attains tranquility. Yanishvar's commentary. If all sense objects are entirely driven from the mind, attachment and aversion will automatically perish. O Arjuna, there is one more thing. If attachment and aversion die out, no harm can follow even when the senses are interested in the sense objects. Just as the sun in the sky is not contaminated by the earth which it touches with its rays. So is one who is indifferent to sense pleasures, free from desire and anger, and filled with the bliss of the self. When he sees only himself in the universe, how can some pleasures disturb him? If water could be drowned in water, or fire could be burned by fire, then the perfect man might be affected by contact with sense objects. He steadily becomes one with everything, so his understanding is well balanced. 
believe that this is true. Verse 65, Krishna said, In tranquility, the sensation of all sorrows is born for him. Indeed, for the tranquil-minded, the intellect at once becomes steady. Dhyanishvara's commentary. When the heart is always at peace, the miseries of worldly existence cannot enter it. If a person contains with himself a fountain of nectar, he is not troubled by hunger or thirst. Similarly, if the heart is peaceful, where can a place be found for pain? The mind naturally dwells in the highest self. Just as a flame in a windless place will not flicker, similarly, the even-minded person remains united with the self. Verse 66. Krishna said, There is no wisdom in him who is uncontrolled, and there is likewise no concentration in him who is uncontrolled. And in him who does not concentrate, there is no peace. How can there be happiness for him who is not peaceful? Yadishvara's commentary. He who does not reflect on this union in his heart is bound by sense objects and their qualities. For him, O Arjuna, steady wisdom is impossible, and even a longing for it never arises in him. If there is no stability in the mind, O Arjuna, how can it be at peace? Where there is no center of peace, bliss can never even enter unintentionally. Salvation is not for the sinner. If seeds could germinate after being thrown into the fire, then happiness might come to a person without peace. The unharmonized state of the heart is the cause of all pain, so it is essential to control the senses. Verse 67, Krishna said, When the mind runs after the wandering senses, then it carries away one's understanding, as the wind carries away a ship on the waters. Those people whose actions, oops, excuse me, Gyanishvar's commentary on that. Those people whose actions follow the bidding of the senses do not cross over the ocean of worldly life, though they may seem to do so. When a boat has arrived at the shore, a storm may still arise and destroy it. Similarly, even if a person who has attained this state indulges in sense pleasures, he is overcome by the pain of worldly life. Verse 68, Krishna said, Therefore, O Arjuna, the wisdom of him whose senses are withdrawn from the objects of the senses, that wisdom stands firm. Yanishvar's commentary. Therefore, O Arjuna, what greater goal is there than keeping the senses under control? A person whose senses are obedient to his command has reached a state of wisdom. Now, O Arjuna, there is still one more subtle characteristic of the perfect man, which I will tell you. Listen. Verse 69, Krishna said, The man of restraint is awake in that which is night for all beings. The time in which all beings are awake is night for the sage who sees. Yanishvar's commentary. A person who remains conscious when all other beings are asleep and is apparently asleep when others are awake. He alone is beyond limitation, well-balanced, and a lord among sages. 
verse 70. Krishna said, Like the ocean, which becomes filled yet remains unmoved and stands still as the waters enter it, he whom all desires enter and who remains unmoved attains peace. Not so the man who is full of desire. Gyanishvara's commentary. O Arjuna, he may be recognized by one further characteristic. Listen to it. Just as the ocean is continuously calm, even though all rivers flow into it, filling it to the full, it neither increases nor does it pass beyond its boundaries. In the summer, O Arjuna, if all the rivers were to dry up, even then the ocean would not decrease. Similarly, even if the perfect man should acquire psychic powers, he would not be disturbed by them, nor would he be discouraged if he did not gain them. Tell me, is any light needed in the house of the sun? Would it be enveloped in darkness if no lamp were placed there? Similarly, whether or not he acquires psychic powers, he is unaware of them, for he is absorbed in the highest bliss. How can a person who considers Indra's heaven to be poor enjoy living in a hut in the forest? One who finds fault with nectar will not drink porridge. In the same way, one who has experienced the bliss of the self takes no interest in psychic powers. How surprising this is, O Arjuna, when even the bliss of heaven is considered to be of little value, are psychic powers of any significance? Verse 71, Krishna said, The man who abandons all desires acts free from longing, indifferent to possessions, free from egotism, he attains peace. Yanishvar's commentary. You may know that a person who takes delight in the bliss of the self and who feeds on the highest joy is well balanced in his understanding. Overcoming all egoism, abandoning all desires, he moves through the universe, for he himself has become the universe. Verse 72 the final one of this chapter. This is the divine state, Arjuna. Having attained this, he is not deluded. Fixed in it, even at the hour of death, he reaches the bliss of God. Janeshvar's commentary. This is the limitless divine state enjoyed by those whose desires are dead, they easily reach union with the highest self. The pain of death has no power to disturb the mind of such an enlightened being when he reaches the state of union with divine wisdom. This is the state about which Krishna told Arjuna, said Sanjaya. Hearing these words of Krishna, Arjuna thought, this teaching which I have heard is good. The Lord has forbidden all action, so I am forbidden to fight. Arjuna was inwardly delighted with these words of Lord Krishna. Still in doubt, he will now ask further questions. Such an occasion should be highly esteemed, for it is the storehouse of all duty, the boundless ocean of the nectar of pure wisdom. Krishna. Lord of the Enlightened, will himself explain all this. Gyanadeva, disciple of Nivriti, will comment on it. And that brings to a close Chapter 2, the Yoga of Knowledge. Next time we get together, we will dip our toes into the Yoga of Action, Chapter 3. Gita. Thank you ever so much for allowing this Swami to play a part in your life today. 
tonight, this evening, this morning, whenever it may be for you that you hear this. Thank you, Sonic, over in Brighton, England. Made everything nice and quiet <laughs> for this long, long episode here. We'll get back to the normal format of episodes come the next one. Namaste and blessings all. Be well.